Looking for the perfect gift for yourself or the beer lover in your life? Check out beeredge.com slash merch for all of your Defend Pilsner and Camp Rauk Beer needs. And also, don't forget to get with us on social media for the This Week in Rauk Beer Facebook group or at TW Rauk Beer on Instagram and Twitter to show us your smoked beers. Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. Food is on a lot of minds these days with the holidays rolling in. For Thanksgiving here in the U.S., I wanted to get some chefs and professionals on the line to talk about pairings, cooking with beer, and the joy that comes with creating in the kitchen. So joining me is Rachel Mubb. She is a chef from upstate New York. Heather Hutton is a pastry chef at Edmonds Oast in South Carolina. And that brewery's jack-of-all-trades and advanced Cicerone, Brandon Piler, is also with us. We're going to break some eggs for an omelet soon enough. But first up, we're able to bring you this show each week, thanks to these advertisers. Stomp Stickers. Stomp is a proud member of the Brewers Association that produces a wide variety of printed brewery products, such as beer labels, keg collars, coasters, beer boxes, and much more. Stomp's website features an easy-to-use design tool, low-quantity orders, fast turnaround times, and free domestic shipping. Visit stompstickers.com and use code DRINKBEER15 for 15% off your first order. We're also brought to you by NZ Hops, a cooperative of master growers whose legend and cultivars have been crafted for over 150 years with creativity and passion to produce some of the world's finest hops. With a dedicated hop breeding program and farming knowledge handed down through the generations, the current day master growers proudly provide 18 unique New Zealand hop varieties to the world. Visit nzhops.co.nz or find them on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at nzhopsltd to learn more. So a well-conceived and well-executed beer dinner is a wonderful thing. It's a combination of a chef's creativity and a brewer's best efforts coming together on one table with a company that is hopefully enthusiastic about flavor and exploration. One of the best beer dinners I ever attended was at The Ruck. It's a great beer bar in Troy, New York. And the chef at the time, Rachel Mobb, outdid herself course after course, pairing with and occasionally cooking with Allagash beer. She's since left the restaurant and is now teaching culinary students at nearby Union College. And it's a great pleasure to have her on the show today. The same is true for Heather Hutton. She's the pastry chef at Edmonds Oast in South Carolina. I've been working on a new cookbook about beer and food pairings, and Heather was kind enough to share a recipe for a tray leche cake that just blew everyone away during the tasting, testing, and writing phase. Baking and beer are a lot alike, and she has great insight. And Brandon Piler, He's the brewery's advanced Cicerone and is doing a little bit of everything for the brewery these days. He has a keen insight into pairings, service, and a respect for the classics that can be often overlooked. All three of them joined me via Zoom to get into the holiday spirit, to get a little hungry, and to share their expertise with you in the hopes of making your season merry and bright. Here's our conversation. Rachel, let's start with you, because do you have any idea how many beer dinners you did over the years when you were at the rock? Um, probably with, with the, we did, we did a variety of different kinds of beer dinners. So we did 
the more formal setting where we would sell tickets and have it be course the way that uh, like the one that you came to. Mm -hmm. And then we would do things that were more casual where I would have pairings. I would have a specific brewery that was coming to visit the bar um, and do anything, you know, any kind of promotion. And I would pair different dishes with the beers that they had. Um, so between those two different types of beer dinners, um, and then there were um, personal ones that people like contracted us to do for them, you know, for a birthday or whatnot. I'd say yeah. probably um, about 30, between 22 and 30. Okay. Um, maybe more. Is it, you know, Dave kept me busy for sure. <laughs> so. Um, when you were thinking about building out a menu though, where did it start? Did it start with the beer or did you have a dish in mind and then tried to find a beer that worked? Um, I, I kind of took two approaches. Sometimes it would start with the beer, depending, you know, like um, when I did the Allagash dinner, because they're from Maine, I wanted to focus on Maine foods. Um, so I kind of, went back and forth from the beers that, that were, that we were going to use or that I wanted to use and what kind of foods were, were from that area and just kind of fit the puzzle pieces together. Um, so, you know, whoopie pies are, are, are from Maine and, uh, and I didn't want to do just the chocolate whoopie pie and do your standard, you know, chocolate porter, kind of pairing so I ended up doing uh, a seafood whoopie pie I think it was crab and corn yeah. and um and so I thought I, I thought I turned that off I'm sorry <laughs> but uh it, it just sort of organically goes with where the inspiration leads me um when when I look at at uh at pairing beer and food um when it's about the dish I will look for the beers that 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 speak to the food the way that I want them to, whether I want it to be something that that pairs because it's it's resonating the flavor or contrasting the flavor. Um, and then when it's about the beer, I look at the flavor components in the beer and go from there and trying to figure out where I want to what direction I want to go in. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I, Brandon, it's, it's a fun part. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, nice. no, no, no. I, it, 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 it's got to be like a fun exercise to go through. Yep. Yeah, and cooking with beer is also. I, I really like right? the way you describe it as like uh, fitting the puzzle pieces together because it, it really is like you know you, it, it's a puzzle like more than mm -hmm. anything and um, just finishing that together for everything to come together. It's like, it is a, it is a lot of fun. Yeah. Heather, have you experienced that recently when you've been putting something together and trying to find something that goes along with it where yeah. you had that aha moment? Yeah, for sure. I think that um, a lot of the ways that I start with like flavor pairings is I will taste something, I'll get the flavor, I'll decide, do I want to, complement this or like enhance it or do I want something um that's just complementary to it um I try to find like a single like start with a single thing that I want to pair with it a single flavor 
And then I'll go from there and try to find the third component that pairs with both of those. So that's adding complexity. It's like bringing out more of what she's talking about from like the dishes. You can really keep building each flavor to bring out what you want to highlight from that beer. So is there, is there something that you've done recently that rather than just talking in the abstracts that we could sort of dial in on a little bit deeper? Um, sure. I mean, I think that if I'm looking like a lot of times, like I love malt, you know, man. So I'm going, I made like um, a filling for a donut using wort. So it's not like fermented beer yet. It's just like the, the syrup. Yeah. And I made like the best malted pastry cream with it, but it's like super yeasty. So it's like pairing with the donut, that yeasty notes in the donut. Um, and then you can also, then I paired pumpkin with it because pumpkin pairs really well with malt and yeast. So you can keep going into different layers. I did also like a caramelized white chocolate, um, those pair well as well. So it's like, you can keep going into the different layers of it. And it all started with just malt syrup, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm realizing no, I'm hungry. And I'm I like, know that's, that's the, as soon as you started talking about jelly donuts, I just, I got very, very excited. Um, it's so good. Brandon, as a advanced Cicerone, you've been through all of the various beer styles in depth quite a bit, right? Yeah, I think so. Do, do you feel like there are some styles that lend themselves to food better? Um, but also some that are just really just are fine on their own and probably, you know, that might not need a food component or might be a little bit out of place at a beer yeah. dinner. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll say, yeah, I'll say, well, first of all, I mean, I, I think there's probably not too many beers or beer styles out there that you could not find uh, a nice food pairing partner with. Um, a lot of what we're seeing these days, uh, a lot of the beers that are produced with a lot of lactose, a lot of fruit, and um, honestly, with a lot of residual sugar, I think those beers, especially ones that are meant to mimic food, um, those are very challenging to pair with anything. Um, but considering those an outlier, uh, like for holiday stuff, I mean, I usually lean really big into farmhouse stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And that's uh, Saison and generally like Saison made kind of in the mold of uh, Saison DuPont um, mm -hmm. where, you know, it's golden crisp. Uh, you get some of the fruit and spice characters from, from the fermentation, but it's very effervescent. Uh, it makes the beer really work well with fatty foods, heavy things. Um, that and uh, Beer de Garde, we actually just produced one uh, here at the brewery. Um, and it's a nice, like seven and a half percent alcohol dry, but like malt forward, uh, amber beer. Um, and that works with a lot of different things. I like those styles, um, because of their versatility. Uh, I, I find holiday menus to be challenging to pair because for the most part, a lot of those foods were never really put together with any sort of beer in <laughs> mind. Um, and also you're usually featuring many, I mean, outside of the context of the holidays, you're featuring a menu that is based on dishes that aren't really there to complement each other. I mean, they could be from all over the place. And, you know, if you have family, friends, 
people are cooking their own thing from maybe their tradition or maybe uh, their history or their taste and they're bringing it in. So you got kind of a hodgepodge of food um, and it's not coursed out uh, for any thing. I mean, you know, you take a plate, you go up to the uh, whatever smorgasbord thing you got going on and you put together, <laughs> you know, a 10 pound plate of everything on there. So I like things that are versatile. Um, I also, I'm really big into recommending um, if there are any, especially German made like Oktoberfest uh, mm-hmm. that you can still find in stores at this point in time. Um, those are really friendly with food. They're very versatile. They're very drinkable. Um, and you can bring those for other folks who maybe don't want a 10% alcohol mixed fermentation, Viognier barrel aged, whatever with rosemary, you know, they're very approachable. So I like those beers for those reasons. Um, as far as other beers, um, on their own, I really liked hearing, uh, you know, I like it when I hear chefs avoid like really low hanging fruit pairings, like, Oh, this is a chocolate dish. So we have to put this chocolate stout with it. You know, it's, it's not that that pairing can't work. I've had really great experiences with those, but I think there's a lot, you can do a lot more with something like that. And Heather's Heather's, I feel has been very good about doing that with her cooking and a lot of the pairings. It's like this pairing really works, but it's not just like kind of a, you know, uh, oh, we have a smoked beer. We have to do this with yeah. smoked meat I kind of try pairing. To, I try yeah. to go for the um, choices that are not obvious. I, you know, chocolate and stout has been done, I think, to the, <laughs> we don't need to do it anymore, quite honestly, because yeah. there's mm-hmm. so many more interesting ways to do a stout. Uh, it doesn't have to go to chocolate. I mean, we talk about, you know, banana notes in the beer, you know, yep. and we just go banana instead, like just doing a banana bread with like a stout ice, um, icing is so much more interesting to me than doing mm-hmm. the same heavy, like dark flavor combination. And it's kind of like the starting point for everybody when they start pairing, they're like, oh yeah, this, this is like this. But, you know, for me, I like, I like pairing with like IPA, um, things that are already have a lot of character are very interesting. And then I can really like marry something well with that. Yeah. Especially since um, you have so much, so many different kinds of fruits go with chocolate and, and you have so many fruity IPAs you can, and chocolate yeah. can often when it's, when it's sweet and creamy, it, you know, it's so versatile. It can be can be bitter and dark it can be sweet and creamy and then you can use that to play off of ipas and and to talk to speak to what brandon was talking about earlier with some of these um you know especially these really cloudy fruity ipas that have a lot of they seem to have sugar added to them i don't know if they do i'm not <laughs> i'm not brewing quite a few we're at least lactose <laughs> yeah. but yeah yeah um that that it works with 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 chocolate um you know so i'm i'm right with the right there with you guys and also yeah. the uh belgians are are an amazing beer for the holidays i think like all of across the board um i i love i love the uh the spice and, and that you find in in belgian beers um i think matches with a lot of those holiday flavors yeah and I, I think like yeah, sorry, you can sorry, still, go ahead. 
So I think you can also just use those Belgians and baking a lot too, and things like um, like cakes and cookies, because you don't have to use a very big amount of it, and you can still get like the flavors and the like spices she's talking about, um, and just adding a little bit to like an actual cookie dough um, actually really can enhance it. So. Can 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 you go? I know when you're saying just add a little bit the kitchen yeah. that you're cooking in is a lot different from the kitchen that I'm cooking in here at home. And what yes. most people who are listening are, are, are cooking here at home. What's a little bit for the home cook. I would, um, I would always, you're going to have to look at your recipe that you are thinking of doing and before modifying, which is like changing your recipe in any way, you really need to be smart about what you're doing. So when you're adding beer to a recipe, it's mainly liquid. I mean, there's, um, alcohol in it and there might be some excessive sugar as well but for the main part it's liquid so I would look for recipes that already have like milk or other uh, mm -hmm. liquids in it and so that's where you're not really remaking the whole recipe you are just substituting I would say substituting over adding now if yeah. it is a, a like a brownie recipe that can handle a small amount of uh, extra liquid I wouldn't go you know, if you're doing a, like a pan of brownies, I wouldn't do more than like a quarter to a half cup. Um, so that's where you have to be smart what, about what beer you get, that it's fragrant and that you really taste the spices. And there's a lot more than just liquid that you're adding to it to enhance it. Yeah. And glazes. I've done that. Mm -hmm. Use beer as the as the thing that I add with cream to make a glaze for like a cookie. And mm -hmm. then you get that flavor of the um of the beer yeah so we, there are been, ways yeah. to to as a as a novice or somebody who's not in there you know like i'm not a baker i'm not i i'm a little i'm way too experimental to bake because baking <laughs> is you know, bless you it is all about discipline and i am not the most disciplined person um so i like to do things that i know um i can be experimental with and it's a little bit more forgiving if you change mm -hmm. like to what heather is saying that uh if you change too much of the ratio of moisture in a recipe it will completely mess with it or fat um when you're baking whereas when you're when you're cooking a sauce um it's a little bit more forgiving and another way to account for that like excess moisture is to like reduce a beer as well so reducing that and then it's a syrup and then using that for what you need like mm -hmm. if you can only put a small amount of liquid in your recipe, that is like another way to do that without ruining the recipe, but it is going to change the way it tastes. It's going to be sweeter. Um, so you might have to adjust your sugar or mm -hmm. it's just, it doesn't taste quite like the same. It's not going to have um, the same like zip that it, it originally did. It's going to be a more like, you know, condensed sugar version of it. Um, when I, you know, like I'll make ice creams with uh, syrups a lot and mm -hmm. because there's fermentation and that alcohol uh, prevents the ice cream from setting. So I need mm -hmm. to reduce the beer I'm using, but I will usually at the end actually add a little bit of the fresh beer in just because 
the flavor profile is so different after you've reduced it and I want to restore that. So that's come with experience about knowing what is a good limit of how much to add. I wouldn't say that's a beginner, beginner level um, recipe, but yeah. it's definitely something you can do. When you're talking about reducing down or making glazes and, and, and Heather, both you and Rachel mentioned this though, um, a lot of the time, the more malt forward beers, I, I would have to assume would work better than some of the, you know, more heavily hop accented beers. Cause if you're reducing down some of the bitterness in the hops might mm -hmm. become a little Lots. bit more accented, right? <laughs> then. It, yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. Using, using, using maltier beers um, definitely is a rule of thumb to go with when you're doing any kind of reduction with beer. Um, I find using IPAs in cooking, I do less. Um, I, I often will pair IPAs more and then cook more with, with uh, ales and things that, are, that, are, that have a little less hop flavor yeah. that's going to, going to add that bitter note, unless it's something that you want. So sometimes you play with it a little bit, but, um, but you know, to your point, that's, that, it, that is a good, good observation to make. And a lot of people that are just experimenting don't know to do that. And then they, um, I'm thinking about a, a guy I know who made a, a mustard and he made it with IPA and he reduced the IPA so much and the mustard was like already bitter. Ooh. And then the reduced IPA made it extremely bitter. <laughs> it was like, that, that was, that was a rough one. Mm. <laughs> I mean, so that was me. And I thought we were never going to discuss it again. <laughs> I've tried something um, very different actually. Cause I work, you know, in the brewery and I have access to the malt and barley and hops. And so I've used just straight hops in ice cream. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of take out, the liquid, I take out the alcohol and I just go straight to the hops and mm -hmm. I'll usually use like citric, um, mosaic hops that are just like super citrusy, a little less bitter. And I mean, I don't know if everybody has access to hops, but you can just go straight to some of the like pure ingredients of beer instead mm -hmm. of like, oh, I have to reduce this beer and it tastes nothing like what it started with, you know? And you're using whole cone? Uh, we have, um, pellets. Okay. I'll actually use that. Okay. They're so, very strong. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, yeah. so I'm curious as to how those are being incorporated and I, I've obviously done hop rubbings and I've done, um, uh, I don't know if I've ever actually popped a pellet in my mouth now that I'm thinking. About yeah. It. It's a bad, it's a bad idea. I've eaten, okay. I've eaten, I've it's eaten a bad idea. candies where that's yeah. a good way to get the, um, the flavor profiles of like the noble hops and stuff where I've tried candies that have those hops in it. So you get that concentrated hop flavor without it being, um, diffused in a beer and changed, you know, the flavor gets changed a little, but I never, I've never cooked with actual hops. And I think that's like the gate that's uh, amazing opportunity. I've got to think about that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, Brandon, um, jump, jump, jump I'll, in here because you, you were. I'll, I'll <laughs> I think go you got a little bit nervous there. First of all, I'll go ahead and tell you. Um, I've had um, 
I've had hop pellets and hop extract in my mouth, and they're both <laughs> extremely bad ideas. Um, <laughs> it's not. It's not. This what is you the think. latest viral challenge among brewers now. Oh, it's yeah, going to be I like mean, the cinnamon challenge. But how many mosaic <laughs> pellets can you fit? In oh, your mouth? yeah. I mean, it's like it's like <laughs> vanilla bean. Like you think it's a good idea to bite down on a vanilla bean, and then you find out it's really not a great idea. Bad idea. Yeah. Um, a cool thing you too can. Too much of a good thing. Too much. A cool <laughs> yeah, thing you can do. I would say you you really have to be super gentle with, like, especially like the pellets are pretty intense. So, like, I think I used maybe like, um, you know, maybe like two tablespoons for a huge batch of ice cream. I mean, it really is intense, especially in the pellets. Yeah. A cool thing you can do to like see how the hot pellets will work is you can, um, uh, brewers will uh, steep those hot pellets mm -hmm. in hot water. Then you can make like a little hop tea. Um, and you can kind of smell and taste that after it steeps for a little bit. Um, and I've incorporated that into dishes before where it's like, okay, I've got this hop tea and there's some aroma. And it's like, hey, you know, maybe the spicy kind of zaws would um, kind of jazz up like these mashed potatoes or something like that. And then you can kind of incorporate that in as you go and kind of taste as you go to see um, because it is, I mean, yeah, it's like vanilla or cinnamon. It's really easy to overdo it um, if you're not careful. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Um, so when you're using the hot pellets, then how are they? You're using them very sparingly, but is yes. it sprinkling in? Is it what's the... yeah? So it's just like infusing them, you know. So I'm just gonna boil my liquid. This is for an ice cream, so I would just boil my like milk and cream. Obviously, I'm using something that's a lot of fat. Right. I mean, I wouldn't put hops into something that wasn't, you know, kind of fatty to absorb that yeah. bitterness. And um, yeah. And so I'll just boil it, put the hops in there, very small amount. And I'll cover that. I'll probably let it infuse for like 20 to 30 minutes and then strain it out. And it's, okay. it's pretty potent after that. So. Man, yeah, you guys are same. popular in the kitchen right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, if you have to get it, like I totally understand. More in a quick moment, but first, thanks to the companies that help keep the mics hot over here. When it comes to printed brewery products, head to Stomp Stickers. The company is a reliable resource for printed items, such as beer labels and boxes, keg collars, coasters, and more. Visit stompstickers.com and use code DRINKBEER15 for 15% off your first order. And we're also brought to you by NZ Hops, a cooperative of master growers whose legend and cultivars have been crafted for over 150 years to produce some of the world's finest hops. NZ Hops are like no others, unique in their flavors and aromas. Visit nzhops.co.nz to explore more. Touched on earlier of, you know, some of the pairings that have been done. And uh, I know we all sort of touched upon this of, you know, you can do the basics and you can, uh, you know, enjoy them. But, you know, there's experimentation out there. Or there's, you know, new new heights and new levels to go to. Um I wonder, though, because craft has evolved so much in such a short period of time, if there's a risk of leaving new drinkers behind, if if all we're doing is full-on experimentation, if all we're doing is completely esoteric uh, or, you know, trying to jump people into you know, the deep end really fast, it, yeah, are we losing I, something by not doing 
by not coming back to the basic pairings, even for those of us who have been uh, doing this for a long time. Yeah, I get I get what you're saying. I think that's been the the other side of like the craft beer world for the past, you know, since craft beer became a thing <laughs> for you know the past like 12 years or so. Yeah. Where the people are constantly going, you know, oh, I love, you know, I love sours. And then it's like sours aren't cool. We're, you know, we're into really like, you know, imperial IPAs and so on and so forth. And you leave behind the the, the people who are dipping their toe in the water, mm-hmm. um, so to speak. So I think when it comes to pairing beer and food and you're trying to get people involved in, in, um, in, in that introduction, um, that there is definitely something to be said with going with the more classic standard kind of things, but you can always still have fun with it. Um, you don't have to be interested in a more, you know, like uh, experimental or, or crazy kind of beer style to be able to appreciate, um, even though you haven't had it before, uh, uh, you know, a Saison with like a, a chestnut and turkey stuffing, you know, something like that, where they're like, oh, it might be a good way to you're doing something that's a little bit more traditional and having just a, a simple beer and a simple food. But um, getting somebody introduced to thinking about the beer outside of just um, something that they're drinking to. I, I don't know. I've been drinking beer so long. I, I don't know what, what <laughs> like the simple way <laughs> to drink beer would be. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I still drink Coors Light sometimes. I still, you know, when I go to Wisconsin and visit my family, we're, we're drinking MGD. So, um, mm. <laughs> is that, is that, is, was that a good, uh, reaction oh, no- there, Brandon? Like noise that I just made? Yes. Oh, hell yeah. It's a great reaction. Are you kidding? I okay. love, love <laughs> Miller High Life and Coors Banquet. Yeah. Uh, they are frequently, <laughs> frequently at my house. You know, I, I, I drink, I tell people, I, I drink everything kind of across the board. So for beer, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. So uh, I've never understood people who are just like, like they're loyal to a style of beer as if it's like a brand of like blended scotch. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, I just drink IPA. I just drink sour. That stuff has always driven me crazy. Yeah. Um, even here uh, at Edmonds Restaurant, you know, when when we were doing uh, the chef's counter, um, which is a coursed out meal, one of the, one of the coolest things we got to do um, myself and uh, Sarah, who's doing the wine here and Jace, who's doing the cocktails at the time, we would all get together and we would pair a menu out and it'd be okay. Well, you know, the charcuterie comes out first, let's put a Negroni with this and all right, we have a seafood dish. Oh, we've got St. Bernard's triple on draft. Let's pair it with that. And, oh, you know, the sherry and that octopus go really well together. So it's having this kind of broad spectrum of you should hopefully like to drink everything and be open to that. And I think, I think that approach has kept a lot of people, not, not in the fold, but if you're a wine drinker, it's saying, Hey, here's a glass. And I love doing this with Belgian beer. Here's a glass of this Belgian double or this sour Flemish red ale, you know, and a lot of folks don't know that those flavor profiles out there exist. So 
I'm kind of in answering your question, I'm kind of in this place to where I like to bring new things to people's palates, but usually those new things are classics that they didn't know about. Um, And for me, that is like an approach that just helps me sleep easier at night. Um, I think, and, and I agree with actually what you guys have been saying is with craft beer, where I think it's gone is you're exactly right. I mean, it, it's trend on trend on trend. Um, and, and a lot of that is not to get, not to get deep on this. A lot of that is social media driven. And a lot of that is aesthetically driven of this IPA needs to be hazy or this fruit beer basically needs to have actual fruit, unfermented pulp in it. Um, for people to get excited about those beers. And I, I recall a quote from um, a friend of mine that owns a brewery in North Carolina. He said this to me years ago. I'll never forget it. He's like, man, he's like, I really wish people were more excited about beer that goes well with food than beer that tastes like food. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's sort of where we're at these days, right? There are, actual food items going into beer mm-hmm. and you know yeah. sometimes they taste just like it and that's fine and obviously they're they're popular with a certain segment of drinking so i'm not going to yuck somebody else's yum yeah. but does that take maybe not the wind out of out of out of the sails but does that i don't know does that sort of change the nature of what beer and food has been when now food is just in beer and you're getting you know, everything you need or everything you didn't know that you wanted or needed in one glass, <laughs> as opposed to, to pairings. Um, I, I think for me, you know, I kind of, um, I don't want to say go into a liquor store as a hobby for me, but it kind of has worked itself out that way. Um, but you know, you can, you can go down the aisle of like flavored vodka and you can find any sort of flavored vodka that's there. And again, I, I love, I love your phrase. I'm not trying to yuck somebody else's yum, but you can see like cotton candy vodka. And I mean, it's so, it's gone so far beyond, um, just basic flavors. You know, I, I wonder if there is, and, and this is okay. If it's the case if there's a segment of drinkers out there that really enjoy the effects of alcohol, but really don't enjoy the flavor of it. Yeah. Um, and I know that makes me sound, I know that makes me sound kind of snobby. And I, I really, again, my, my general mantra for life is drink what you like and be happy with it, you know, and that's kind of what I'm into, but a lot, there's the first time I had Brooklyn black chocolate stout, I was home brewing pretty heavily. And it was a remarkable beer because it really tasted like chocolate, but it didn't have chocolate in it. You know, the, the brewer, you know, the brewers there, Garrett Oliver, that was his resume to work at Brooklyn brewery. They managed to like build these layers of flavor together to mimic this. And it was remarkable that it tasted like that. And now it is, yeah, we put a bunch of chocolate in it. And, you know, it, it, for me personally, I'm not going to walk down this road, but it gets into flavor stability. It gets into shelf life of the beer, shelf stability of the beer. A lot of those beers are just not quality products. Uh, I hate to say that, but they're not. And that's Don't one thing. Don't hate to say it if it's true, though. I mean, that's. The that, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's one of the things, you know, that you know, I've been. Um, I mean, I've been in craft beer my entire adult career. Uh, I'm 40 years old. Uh, so this is when I'm from when I was like 22, 23. And yeah. 
you know, it, it's it's been this thing where it's been remarkable to see these flavor profiles come out and to see people try them and really like them. And then we kind of get to this place to where it's like, you know, we for years it's been pushing craft beer saying these are made with quality ingredients. This beer is just like the quality and the consistency, like those are the things that have been pushed really hard. You know, this is a better made product um, than what you're getting from a lot, of, a lot of other big breweries. And I think moving away from some of that, I, I think that takes some of the soul out of the business, to be honest with you. And I felt for years that the words craft brewery, craft beer don't really mean anything anymore. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's uh, that's kind of where I'm living these days. Yeah. Rachel, for for you, just even on the, the more savory side of things, is it is it a challenge? Is it is it something that's really not worth pursuing? when when you have, you know, some of these beers that you know have chicken parm in them or you know <laughs> are mimicking wing sauce or you know wh- whatever, is is that a uh I don't know. Is is it a fun exercise to to try to pair something or try to create a beer dinner around it, or is it just? I haven't I haven't ever had to or been asked to pair beers that use those kinds of things. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know that existed. Honestly, um, the I think to a certain point, it's fine to be. Um, to be flexible with beers that have a lot of, you know, already present flavor, like a really strong pumpkin beer. Let's use that as an example, because they put so much stuff in it to make it taste like pumpkin spice. Um, Not saying whether I do or do not drink those, but um, with something when you're using beers like that i guess i i i think the fact that i haven't needed or been or had the opportunity to cook with those kinds of beers um kind of speaks for where i stand on that i guess um (laughs) you know i'd much rather go with something that was simpler and more classic than, than play into a a trend just because it's a trend. Most breweries that are, that are worth their salt have, have things in their, in their cadre beers in in their, what is it? Their portfolio um, that, that are, are that you can work with. And even if they, even if they have the most experimental people, brewers brewing with all sorts of crazy things and getting all all wild and nuts they've always got um more classic beers to choose from um so i usually will gravitate if i if i'm presented with a brewery that has things that are that are really food flavor forward and then they have um beers that that uh are more classic i'll gravitate more towards the classic flavor profiles um, except the, I did have fun. There was a, a 60 minute, not 60 minutes, sorry, dogfish head because <laughs> 60 minutes there, their most classic beer. Yeah. Um, the, a lobster chocolate beer. 
Oh, that chunk I, lobster. Yeah, I remember yeah. that years ago. Yeah, I did. I did cook with that. I was really surprised that that was as good as it was. Um, but I feel like there was a lot of restraint. The 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 excitement had a lot more to do with the name and the fact that they were throwing all these crazy things into the into the brew. Then yeah. the the beer itself was very um, restrained. So um, there's something to be said for like case by case basis, I guess. That makes sense. He- Heather, I guess this, yeah. th- that question sort of that, that I asked Rachel, yeah. I, I guess sort of really ties into what you're doing because pastry stouts and pastry sours are now a full on category. Huge. And, yes. <laughs> you know, people are saying, you know, here is our German chocolate cake beer and it tastes like German chocolate cake, you know, or, you know, cherry pie or, you know, whatever. And it tastes enough like it, but there's always something missing yeah i think that's a good way to describe that i mean i think it's it's a huge trend i love like sours fruity sours um i also love the the dessert names that they use but i'm always a little disappointed because you know obviously i know what lemon meringue pie tastes like and i'm like wait a second this doesn't taste like lemon meringue pie (laughs) i feel like the people who are the most successful at doing it can do it in a way where they kind of break down what they're going for. And they're like, cause like an example was they wanted to do a waffle um, beer. Mm. And so the brewer came and talked to me and I was like, okay, so you, I would focus instead of putting a whole bunch of waffles into your beer, I would focus on getting the right flavor combinations. Like what is the most predominant flavor? You know, it would be like brown mm-hmm. sugar and then be like yeast yeah. and then cinnamon. And so if you can kind of get that in the right order, like on your palate, that's when I think like people really nail it. And that's when I'm really like a big fan. But when it's just a sour with a little lemon flavor, like to me, I was like, I wish they would have just named it something else. And then <laughs> I would have liked it more. You know, it, I kind of um, get disappointed because I really like pie and that doesn't taste like pie to me so i think like if it was named something different i would appreciate it more um but i also think it's like you gotta be smart on how you how you do it you know like how do you actually get the same flavor uh peaks that like that dessert has and i don't think people do it that way i think there is a lot of like addition of actual desserts in beer and yeah. I don't think you're ever going to get the flavor you're looking for like that. So, mm-hmm. and, and that almost can lead to user disappointment, right? I, 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 at least for me, at least if somebody says, you know, lemon meringue and I've had really good lemon meringue, it, it's going to be a little bit of a letdown. Right. So when I think ju- about, yeah. yeah. When I think about meringue, meringue is like just egg whites and sugar. And I'm like, how do you replicate that in a beer? Like burnt egg whites and sugar. I don't know how you can get that same effect. The texture, the taste for me, like I'm like that. I think that part of it is stretching it. Like if we, we just said it was lemon, I would say, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it doesn't sell when you say it. it's just lemon. Sorry, go ahead, Rachel. No, I was I was just chuckling in agreement. Um, <laughs> there, there, there is a lot of that. It's um, 
and and it it can be a little frustrating as you know i just did a, a an introduction to beer tasting class at the school with um, some of the older kids it was a it was a beer dinner that was meant to um, teach kids about beer that have not been drinking for very long um, and also teach them how to um, interact with alcohol in professional settings um, appropriately. Sure. So, so I tried to focus on the kind of beers that um, would, would have low ABVs and be more accessible and more uh, easy to find out out in the world when you're interacting in, in these, you know, like a, I don't know, a meet a bar at a cocktail party. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't find just a plain Porter. Mm. Nobody's, I also yep. wanted to do local beers and, and I was really disappointed because that's one of my favorite beer styles. And I didn't realize like how many brewers aren't doing like just simple things like, you know, this is this is the season where you would normally see porters popping up, and and uh, I couldn't find any local ones, or very few. Um, and I, I I hope that the the trend moves more toward doing things a little with a little bit more of like a classic intent because the that the trying to make these things that taste like other things is <laughs> to a certain point it's like why why do you need to drink a beer that tastes like a lemon meringue pie have a lemon meringue pie um and and enjoy a really good simple beer that tastes really good with that lemon meringue pie mm -hmm. um, and then you're having two really good things instead of one sort of you know okay thing um, but it, it'll be interesting to see what, where, where the trends take us next. And in the meantime, we've just got to keep on doing what we do to, to, to push, steer the ship, um, when it comes to, to doing pairings and promoting beers and, and talking about beer and, and, and sharing it with our friends and our family or in our businesses, et cetera. So yeah. that's, that's my my soapbox sorry yeah <laughs> friend that sounds like that struck a nerve with you though in a good way uh yeah in a really good way um because yeah well it, okay i'm looking to get uh some of my um kind of in-person class things uh kind of back online and in just kind of shopping around town i've run into the same issue it's like okay here are these like classic beer styles i want everyone you know to see the beer taste the beer let's talk about it and yeah man trying to nail down a porter is really challenging these days. Um, I've even gone, uh, I mean, I've even gone to, uh, I, I've driven um, a bruise cruise, like a little beer tour thing around town just for some vacation money. And, you know, the idea is we go to different breweries and I want everybody on the tour to taste a variety of different things. And you go to, you know, each successive brewery and it's like, man, these, these folks are all pouring like the same stuff and it's all you know it fruited sours are wonderful but it's that it's like heavily fruited sour beers um things that are spiced or have food additions and it has to be so heavy-handed for me so heavy-handed that you can't miss it like if 
if a beer says it has vanilla or macadamia nut, it has to be so over the top that it has to be nearly, nearly offensive. Um, and yeah, and I've, I've just run into the same thing. I, I recommend some of these beers to folks and uh, there's newer, newer folks that I work with at the brewery who are like in their mid twenties. And I've mentioned a couple like classic beer styles and they look at me like I'm crazy. They're like, well, I've never seen one of those. And I'm like, Oh, okay. This is a little bit of like a touch of reality as far as, um, kind of what's going on outside of my, you know, my bubble head into the world. You know, this is, this is what the beer landscape looks like. Yeah. Um, which is which yeah. is interesting because one of the reasons I got into drinking craft beer um, was because I liked the variety. You know, I was uh, before the alcohol limit uh, in North Carolina, which is where I'm from, was raised from six percent to fifteen. Um, there was, you know, there was a handful of styles we could get. Um, I had no idea about what was going on in Belgium past Ho Garden, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, me and my friends, my college buddies, we started traveling to other states near where we were at. And I found the, you know, these Chimay's and these Roquefort's and, um, you know, St. Bernardus. I mean, these are all favorites of mine still. And it was just, it was, it's like getting into jazz. And one day you just discover like Miles Davis. And it's like, oh yeah, I've really been getting into jazz. And then you find this like very classic thing that has been around for a long time and has been revered for a long time for a good reason. And then that is like, that for me is very interesting to kind of discover and get into. And that's, I don't know. I'm kind of an old soul. That's what, that's what works for me. Maybe I'm just a nerd. I don't know. (laughs) Well, all right. As we start to, as we've made everybody hungry now and uh, looking for the classics as well as you know some of the the more esoteric stuff that's out there these days, I want to ask each of you um, the same question. And uh, the first part would be, what is a basic food and beer pairing that you'd love for everybody to try? And then, what is a more advanced beer and food pairing that you would like everybody to try. And while I give you all a chance to sort of think about that, um, my basic would be a Doppelbach and Swedish meatballs. Oh yeah. I could dig that. And then my more advanced would probably be a West coast IPA and carrot cake. Damn it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> This whole time. And that's sir, why this I whole went time. first. Yeah. Damn. Oh. oh. I had that one on the back burner. Oh. Um, I did a, okay, I'll start with the advanced weird one first. Something I didn't think was going to work. Um, I did a Halloween candy and beer pairing. Years before it was cool, by the way, that'd be six, seven years ago. And the coolest pairing was I bought, um, uh, and it was all candy that I got from like a Publix. It was all grocery store candy. It's nothing, nothing super fancy, um, but two pairings that worked really well. I did Schoenkerle's um, Urbach, which is a smoked, dark, strong lager from Germany. I did that with malted milk balls. And for whatever reason, that savory, smoky, and the malt, and the chocolate, like the, and I mean, like really like whoppers, like really syrupy, sweet, um, like malted milk balls. That pairing really knocks it out of the park. To touch on the IPA carrot cake, um, 
I bought some Hershey's cookies and cream bars uh, and did that with Dogfish Head 90 Minute IPA uh, because, you know, white chocolate is basically all cocoa butter and sugar and the bitterness from the IPA, everything just really worked out. And that was like a head turning thing um, for a simple pairing. Um, please believe me. I understand how broad the statement I'm about to make is. But I think beer and cheese, as far as a really simple pairing, um, is a great That's one. My um, point. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I I'm hope I didn't you. take yours. I'm with you. No, no, it's okay. Oh, okay. It's okay. Uh, We're <laughs> you know, I mean, years. Not to give you my life story, but years ago, I got into cheese in a big way, and of course, I do do with that as I do everything. I bought all these cheese books and started reading, uh, and the classic is. Uh, the book, it, the book, I think it's just called Cheese from Max McCallman, who's like mm-hmm. a, a big guru in the world of cheese. And I read the book cover to cover, and he has beverage pairings for everything. He didn't mention beer once. Yeah, he had, I mean, he had like a cloth bound English cheddar, and I think he recommended like a dry English cider to go with it. And I'm just like hitting myself over the head. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm like a plowman's lunch with a pint of like brown ale or bitter is such a classic food and beverage pairing how how could he how could he have missed that and yeah. then he meant then he starts to mention all of these uh you know like wash drying funky cheeses that are made in monasteries and a lot of the monasteries he was mentioning are in belgium and they produce these fantastic beers that absolutely work brilliantly with the cheese and he's recommending these like off dry rieslings and shin blocks to go with these really pungent, funky cheeses that need carbonation to kind of scrub and refresh your palate. And I don't know, that's, that's my thing, I guess. Okay. Rachel, let's jump up to you then. <laughs> well, I think, I think we're of, of very like minds flavor, at least palates. Um, I, I, my classic favorite, I love, um, I love Schwartz beer. I think it's it's like a an unsung hero. You can oh, yeah. drink it has it has so much flavor and nuance. It's light, but it's but it it looks dark. Looks like it's going to be heavy. Um, it goes with so many things. It's so versatile. Um, with you know, obviously with with German food, whatever. Um, but also, uh, I think that. I, I automatically thought like smoked Gouda. I, I'm a fan of, of smoked Gouda. I very yeah. much so. One of oh, my, yeah. <laughs> one, oh, yeah. one of my uh, burgers that I, I was on the menu the whole time I was at the rock was uh, smoked Gouda and uh, candied bacon. And, and that was, the yeah, I've had that a that couple I, of times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the beer that I kind of had in mind with that, with that, um, with, with that pairing. Um, it's very classic, but, um, I feel like I can't say that I have a distinctly avant-garde or advanced pairing and then something that's, that's distinctly classic because I like to experiment and kind of think, stay within the lines of a classic flavor, but, but then play with it a little bit. Like the candied bacon had Chipotle, um, in it, so it had a little bit of heat, which is not yeah. something you would normally find um, with the smoked gouda. Um, I think if I were going to say 
an avant-garde pairing. I like, I also like candy, but cheese is my go-to. I, I, I like to pair um, cheeses with, with things, I think more than anything else. And a lot of the time I will find myself incorporating cheese more readily into a pairing than I would, um, would uh, a protein or something like that. So I would say using, you know, using your, your West Coast IPA and, and, and cheesecake or, or sorry, carrot cake pairing, I would, I would take that further and use some kind of really tangy, creamy, um, aged goat cheese as the base for the icing on that cheese, that carrot cake to like really give it a little bit of punch. Cause yeah. Uh, like that, I yeah. yeah. So you have that, you, you, all those flavors just in my mind, I'm like, I don't know how to explain it. It makes sense in my brain. Uh, I don't know if it makes sense uh, to the question. So. No, I, 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 <laughs> I, I get it, and that's and that's sort of I, I, I like that because it it, it leaves open to uh, user interpretation as well. Of you yeah. know, you don't have to be fully boxed. Um, all right, Heather, you've had okay. plenty of time. <laughs> I, I think in dessert, mainly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we've talked about the most basic combination being chocolate and stout. And I, I think if that's what it takes to get somebody to try to start experimenting with beer and uh, dessert, I think go for it. But I think probably my most basic would be like just like a good banana bread um, with stout. And then just like she was saying, having like a nice rich icing on top of that to cut some of the bitterness. Um, and the heaviness um, of the stout would be really good. But I I honestly have a hard time with the labels basic in advance because I feel it's up to the user, like, what is weird, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, I've done the um, citrus tray blade shape, right, with this paired with the IPA that we did here, Bound by Time, and orange blossom and basil. So, to me, that's really normal. I think that's, um, you know, citrus flowers, some bitter, you know, hoppy beer and basil are just kind of like a, I don't know, it doesn't seem that weird to me, but perhaps that's more advanced to some people. No, that's, uh, again, it, and and you're right that putting those labels on it probably wasn't the most eloquent way of of, of putting it because everybody's at, at different, uh, different levels and uh, have different levels of tolerance. So uh, I think it's. It was good to get the conversation started. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I love it. I just don't, I'm always like, you know, they probably think banana bread with stout buttercream is weird, (laughs) you know, (laughs) to begin with. So I don't, I don't know what's, um, what's too far in a direction, but I I think like if they were to try it, you know, without, you know, the pretension of a menu or something, I think, yeah, those are, you know, things that people would probably receive really well. Um, I yeah, think it would be, I, I grew up eating banana bread with chocolate chips in it and then cream cheese, cream, spreading cream cheese on top. Oh then, yeah. Um, like a toasted slice of banana bread with some dark chocolate in it. So I get it. I think that's like 
an amazing pairing, but like what you were saying, um, it's different for everybody. What makes sense? What doesn't make sense? What's your history um, with the flavors? Well, I'm going to encourage everybody to take to the table, take to the beer store and the beer cellar and just start tasting back and forth and think about what might work and then put it into practice. Um, Rachel, Brandon, Heather, thanks to the three of you for being on the show and leading off this kickoff to a, a, a long holiday season where there's a, hopefully a lot of good food and drinking company in our, our, in our immediate futures. But really, thanks to the three of you for being on the show. Oh, thank you. Pleasure, definitely. Thank, thank you. you. A happy Thanksgiving to all of you here in the U.S. and warm wishes to everyone else tuning in around the globe. I hope you get some downtime, a good meal, the joy of family and friendship, and a little peace. What's a pairing that you really enjoy? Or where did you have a beer dinner that you'll never forget? Let me know. I'm on email. It's John Hall, J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at beeredge.com, or I'm on Twitter at John underscore Hall. A reminder that Beer Edge is all over social media at the Beer Edge. And if you love smoked beers, and judging by the response, I'm imagining that you do, a reminder to check out the This Week in Rauk Beer group on Facebook, or follow along with all the smoked beer goodness on Twitter and Instagram at TWRaukbeer. If you're interested in advertising, please reach out to Liz Melby. She's at Liz at BeerEdge.com and she'll let you know all of the information. And speaking of that, this episode was made possible by the support of NZ Hops, a cooperative of master growers whose legend and cultivars have been crafted for over 150 years with creativity and passion to produce some of the world's finest hops. With a dedicated hop breeding program and farming knowledge handed down through the generations, the current day master growers proudly provide 18 unique New Zealand hop varieties to the world. Visit nzhops.co.nz or find them on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at nzhopsltd to learn more. We're also brought to you by Stomp Stickers. Stomp is a proud member of the Brewers Association that produces a wide variety of printed brewery products, such as beer labels, keg collars, coasters, beer boxes, and much more. Stomp's website features an easy-to-use design tool, low-quantity orders, fast turnaround times, and free domestic shipping. Visit stompstickers.com and use code DRINKBEER15 for 15% off your first order. One last reminder to go to beeredge.com to see all that we have going on there and to check out the Beer Edge podcast with new episodes each week. Steal This Beer releases new episodes every Monday and the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. And as for this show, Nate Weber, he does the music, Jeff Quinn designed the logo, and I'm John Hall. Happy Thanksgiving. A reminder that new episodes of this show release every Wednesday. And that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer. <laughs>